MVP. If you've been drinking, pass your keys to a sober friend. The Tennessee Highway Safety Office reminds you that fans don't let fans drive drunk. So, looking at Tennessee and Vanderbilt, Coach, is certainly roster-wise the team that's left. Tennessee has had a big-time advantage uh, in this matchup. Vandy's got absolutely nothing to lose. If this game actually happens and they go out there and play with around 50 scholarship players, there's nothing for them to lose in this game and a lot to gain for them and those players. What does it mean if Tennessee loses this game? When you look at it, if, they, if that was to actually happen, does it, what does it mean for this program? Well, uh, I don't really – I don't really know, Chad. Uh, I'll say this. I do not believe that will happen. Could it happen? I guess. But uh, I think Tennessee, if you, if you, and I have, if you watched them play against Florida and against Auburn, the one thing that I think this team, you can say about this football team is that they play hard and they, they play till the end. Uh, so they're still out there. I, I think trying to get better, trying to improve. That's a compliment to the coaches and the players. But on the other side of the ball, uh, Vanderbilt has absolutely nothing to play for. I don't, I don't know. I try to sometimes put myself in a position as a player. Uh, what do you do when your coach gets fired with three games left for really not really any reason other than they just wanted to fire him, you know, whatever, whatever the reason was. He's the guy that brought you in there. You've had a bunch of players, six or seven, that opted out before the season started. You've had a few now, and that you've had your by far your best defensive player uh, this out, uh, this opted out. Uh, you know what? What? What do you? You don't know who your you don't know who your coach is going to be. Uh, you don't really have a good grasp on exactly what the university is doing to, uh, with the football program. All those are things as a player you look at completely differently. And, and I got to suspect, because I was there at one point, uh, I, I think a lot of these guys just want to get the season over, quite frankly. Will they go out and play hard? Yes. Do I think they're going to be playing for Vanderbilt football or Vanderbilt University? No, I don't. Because uh, if there's a, 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 you all know how I feel about this. Could be 100% wrong. If there's a more disrespected group of people than the Vanderbilt football players, and I'll throw most coaches in there too. I don't know where it is. They've been highly disrespected by some things that have happened in the past few weeks. They get their coach fired that brought them in there for no reason. Not going to help anything at all. It's not going to help recruiting. They ain't going to have coach hired probably by the time their early signing date gets here. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, I don't understand why that decision was made. Uh, but uh, it, it, I'll say this, if you, you're going to have to have 150% character if you're going to go out there and bust your butt for an athletic department and a university that's pretty much just told you to go stick it somewhere. Do you think that this game even happens, or are we going to see something similar to a week ago where on Friday morning Vanderbilt puts out a release that they can't travel and play? They're not going to have to travel on this one. It's a, it's a game at Vanderbilt, but – what do you think the likelihood is that we even see this game on Saturday? Well, I, I do think this, if it's called off, it's going to be called off because of the, the regulations and the protocols that are in place. I mean, you know, I'm sure Michigan and Ohio state both wanted to play that game very badly. It's not going to be played. That could happen. It could happen. We've seen it, but right now, most of the time that would happen uh, earlier in the week by Monday uh, did not happen. Uh, so we'll, we'll see, but you know what, if it happens, I, <laughs> every, every coach that I've talked to, 
about this. And this year, they, they if you ever talk about the expect the unexpected, I think it would probably, this would be uh, the season to really expect the unexpected. If it doesn't get played, it doesn't get played, you know, and uh, you move on. Doug, National Signing Day, you mentioned uh, that that window is is fast approaching. How many do you think Tennessee will sign early? We might have talked about this. Just think about this. You're playing or scheduled to play. There's going to be, uh, what, four, ten teams, including the two Alabama and Florida that are playing for the National Conference Championship. There's going to be ten teams that are going to be playing games the 19th of December the 16th through 18th is the early signing period. Uh, how do you handle that? You know, I mean, talk about an unusual year on that. Here's what I think is going to happen, not only with Tennessee, Jonathan, but with some other teams. And this is kind of all come about a little bit later. Uh, I think there are going to be teams. Uh, Tennessee, I believe, will be one of them and others who are, are probably going to sign 15, 16, 17 players by design not that they could not sign more because this January we're going to have the ability. They are going to have the ability. Everybody's going to have the ability for the automatic one time, at least free agency where you can leave a school. And Mm -hmm. I think there are programs like Tennessee who is rebuilding, uh, who is in the middle of the pack right now or below the middle of the pack that are going to wait and see who is available to transfer in, and I think you're going to see those programs take uh, several transfers, quality, quality players, because now it can be a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, a senior, or a grad grad player now. All of those are going to be fair game. Now, the Alabamas, uh, probably the, you know, the Clemsons, those teams that are not going to rely on transfers, they may keep one or two around. I think those are the ones you're going to see see sign their full complement. One other thing on that, Jonathan, is this. I think there's going to be some players, too, that are not quite sure because they have not had the opportunity going back all the way to March to visit programs with their families and to get to know coaches. No coaches have come in their home. You know, you want to see somebody face-to-face and look them in the eye. Coaches want to do that, too. I think you're going to see some players say, hey, there's another signing date in February. Maybe by then we'll have a little bit more ability to talk to people. So I think both sides are going to see some of it. I think you're going to see the top programs that are established probably sign 20-plus. But I think you're going to see programs like Tennessee, South Carolina, other programs, particularly those programs now that Vanderbilt would be one, that have new coaches coming in, to say, hey, there's going to be some players that open up. There's going to be some players that are, are at, at every school in the country that's going to be looking to transfer we may wait and see what we can do on some of those because here's the other part about that, and I hate to be so lengthy on this, but national, the second national signing date, the final national signing date is the first Wednesday in February. By that time, January's through, you will know who you have brought in as a transfer and what you need to sign after that. Now, there may not be very many left, but at least you'll have a good idea. But this transfer situation this is going to be a lot bigger, I think, than many, many, many people feel. It's going to be big this year. Well, and those transfers can – they're available spring practice, right? Absolutely. They can come in. Uh, they can come in at any point. This legislation will probably pass somewhere around the 8th, 9th, 10th of uh, January at the, at the National Convention. But 
uh, mo almost every school has this, you can enroll in school all the way up to whatever the date is. Normally it's uh, when the cut, you know, the drop ad period is. So they can go probably all the way through almost to the end of January. And in particular, I'll just mention one young man. I have no idea if he's even thinking about transferring, but just think about the Plumlee youngster down at uh, Ole Miss, you know, uh, the, the, the Coral kid is, uh, is a great player. This young man showed a lot of ability to do. He's a true sophomore now, so he would have three years left. Now, I understand he's an Ole Miss family, but does he want to sit there as talented as he is behind a quarterback who, who is one of the best in this league right now? I would probably think not. There's a bunch of guys out there that are going to be in that same position. How, how much is a, of a factor are the seniors that are currently on rosters right now coming back for that extra year of eligibility? How much is that factoring in to a recruiting class right now? How are conferences and coaches handling this? I think, I think now there is a discussion now that this could be changed. But just remember this. We're not only talking about senior football players. If we go back to last, last year, last spring, all of those players that did not get to play of every sport, whether you're a scholarship or walk on whatever you are, they were granted an extra year's eligibility if they wanted to play. Everybody in every fall sport this year is going to get that. Uh, you're looking now at uh, if, if all those seniors would come back on those sports, you're looking at an additional three to four million dollars for just those additional players. Uh, I originally had heard, and I think the plan originally was, though, they were not going to increase, let's just take football. Mm -hmm. They were not going to increase the 85 limit. So that means, let's take Tennessee, for example. Tennessee has 20, 20, 21 seniors on this team. If they all came back, that would mean if you had to stay under your 85, you could only sign four, five, or six players. Well, that wasn't going to happen. But I have been led to believe now that in all likelihood, they're going to work out some way for this one year where those numbers are extended past 85. Here's the problem with that, though, that they got to work through. Let's say you're Tennessee and you got 20 coming back. Okay, so that would put you up theoretically to 105, right? And let's say another team only has five coming back. So they would only have 90 scholarships. So it's a, it's a very fluid situation right now. They're going to have to figure out how to handle that. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of people disagreeing on that. But what the D1 council did was when they passed this, they essentially said, the NCAA essentially said, hey, we got a big problem on our plate and it's starting to stink a little bit. Let's move it on to the individual school's plate and let them handle the mess. So that's what's happening right now. Those individual schools are trying to uh, try to hand, handle the mess. So let's say Tennessee finishes three and seven, which will probably happen at this point. And there's no win stipulation for bowl games this year. Coach, what do you think about the prospects of Tennessee receiving a bowl invitation and playing in that game? What is the benefit of accepting that invitation? Well, here's the problem. Well, I shouldn't say the problem. Here's the reality. Because of contractual issues, if uh, it, it's just like what we saw in the Big Ten. What, what, what did the Big Ten do when Nebraska talked about play, going outside the league? They said, well, just do that, but you're not going to get the $45, 50000000 million that you get from the league. The, the problem is these bowl games are contractually 
signed with the conference. And if the conference tells, if they tell Vanderbilt at 0 and 10 or whatever they end up being, that they're going to play in a bowl game, guess what? They're going to go play in a bowl game. So if that happens, there's what? There's 10, I think, uh, tie-ins with the Southeastern Conference. Now, we've had, what, 11 or 12 game, bowl games have already canceled. But let's just take the Music City Bowl. That's one of the SEC tie-ins. If they want whoever to come play, they're going to come play uh, or they're not going to get the uh, the $42, $43 million pay, uh, payout at the end of the year. So they got, they got a pretty big uh, – they, they got a pretty big axe hanging over all these all these programs. Big picture question for you, Coach. The idea of stubbornness with a coach and a coach is being stubborn. You hear this about you heard this about Coach Fulmer when he was there. He was too stubborn with his assistants and wouldn't let go of them. You're hearing about this with Jeremy Pruitt. Too stubborn with Jarrett Garantano. Too stubborn with what he's trying to do on defense. Where can stubbornness benefit you as a coach in being stubborn at times? Are there moments where you can be too stubborn as a coach also? And you've worked with some very good head coaches in your time, and I'm sure you've seen a little bit of both sides of this. Well, I, you don't have to be a head coach. Uh, I, I would say that probably I would fall into that category of being criticized and being too stubborn at, <laughs> at some point. But, you know, the, the bottom line is the bottom line. Uh, if, it, if it works out, uh, everything works out, then you're smart. It's kind of like that uh, – you know, that fake, uh, that, that fake pun or that going for it on fourth down or that uh, on fourth and one going for a touchdown instead of kicking a field goal. If it bites you in the rear end, you're stubborn. Uh, if it works, you're, you're, you're a pretty smart fella. So uh, I, that, that's where, uh, you know, every coach I think is somewhat stubborn. And, and from this standpoint, and I think the longer you coach, probably maybe you get a little bit better at it, but nobody, just like you guys, I've heard you talk about it on air. You, you, don't, you don't like people telling you how to do your job, you know. Uh, now, they can disagree with you, uh, but, you know, you're, you're hired to do a job. You do a job. You do it the way you think you need to do it. And at the end of the day, you lay it out all, all on the table. If it isn't good enough, uh, they got somebody else doing your job, and you're out looking to help somebody else do their job. Doug, are you headed to the Rose Garden? No. No, uh, both uh, Coach McGinnis and I, we have, uh, because of uh, uh, because of the situation we're in right now, dessert has gone. Oh, okay. So it's something that we greatly crave, but uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad to have an older, wiser man like him that says, you know, Doug, probably, let's just have coffee today. <laughs> Doug, what do you have coming hey, up this weekend for the shows? Oh, yeah, go I'll ahead. Bet- but I'll tell you this, I'll darn sure be thinking about it when I drive by that. Yeah. <laughs> I, hey, I thought about it last week whenever I was driving up there for the games. Uh, this weekend, of course, we'll be obviously talking about Vandy, Tennessee game. Hopefully that game's yeah. going to be played. And uh, uh, But but Sunday, I'm really going to get into what uh, the, the Tennessee, uh, uh, in particular, what the quarterback room looks like right now, uh, what – what in all likelihood is going to happen up there? Again, that it'll be that'll be opinion based. It won't be anything factual, but kind of looking at some different things, um, and also uh, uh, talking about exactly where this program is. Spent a lot of time talking about it last week. Uh, some the decisions that this head football coach is having to make, uh, and will even have to make even further, and uh, probably the direction that he's leaning in right now. Hey, finally, Jeff Munkin's about to join us, Army's head coach. Army-Navy yeah. coming up this weekend. The game's going to be played 
uh, West Point, uh, which is really cool. Um, that style of offense, would that work at Vandy? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, that's basically what Jerry DiNaro ran, a, a shade of it, you know, a form of it. Uh, you've got to decide on that. Uh, the thing how much, how much would you hate trying to plan for that? Well, I, I think that's one thing right now that college defensive coaches don't like at all because your personnel is set up to play. You're not designed to play against a running attack. You're designed to play second, uh, defensively against teams that throw the ball all over yeah. the field. Yep. Uh, let me just say one thing about West Point, though. Uh, I played in a game in college at West Point, and I went up. Uh, the uh, there, there was a uh, – Todd Berry was the head football coach up there. Todd was from my hometown in Oklahoma and then was an assistant coach. I went up and spent two days on that campus. And let me, let me tell you this. Now, as you all know, I'm a, some half rear end uh, historian. When you walk on, it's an, it's an army base. It's not, you know, when you walk on the step foot on in West Point, the hair on the back of your neck raises up. And they probably won't have all the things that they do now where the brigade marches and all that stuff. But you talk about a beautiful place that has so much history and just the names, you know, the MacArthur, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and Red Blake as a coach and Eisenhower, you know, all, all the Robert Nealon, the people that came through there. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it, it really does. It made the hair on the back. Just walk, you can feel it when you walk on that base. Coach, thank you so much. Always enjoy the, the conversation, and uh, we'll chat with you next week. You bet. Take care. All right. We'll be listening to Doug this weekend as well for Forklift Systems Football Saturday and, of course, the best hour-long discussion on Tennessee athletics, Big Orange Sunday, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. right here on 104.5 The Zone. Retire.